Welcome back to the Behind the Well Show. I'm your host, Roger Abel. I'm here with the co-host, Elias Randall. How's it going, Elias? Good, Roger. Thanks for you, thanks for having me on the show. I guess I'm a co-host now, so I'm yeah, I'm an upgraded. I've been upgraded to the co-host. I think this is like our hundred and first video. I could have sworn so I saw. I've probably 100, been on like ninety percent of the episodes. Ninety-seven point five. I don't know. Probably ninety-seven percent. You're doing great. Appreciate having you back. How'd you enjoy doing that show with Jonas a couple weeks ago when I wasn't here? That that was fun. Um, it's always fun to do a show with Jonas. The radio shows fun fun with him. Uh, the YouTube shows fun with him. He's thing with Jonas. He always has something funny to say, insightful and funny at the same time. So I. I think he's entertaining. I always like how he tries to figure out a complex solution and make it simple and compare it to a spare tire or a golden egg or, you know, some little parody to try he, to simplify it down. But he is good at that. What's not simple is the stock market. We all know that. And I, uh, I coined this phrase the other day, the bear is here. We've officially entered the bear market territory, and you, for you years coined that, you coined that phrase for myself. Yeah, <laughs> but for years, Jonas in this office has been the perpetual bear, and I'm always a perpetual bull. I like to be right eighty percent of the time, even though there's no glory in being right. On the upside, it's only on the downside. And I was talking with Jonas the other night, and I I said, Jonas, I feel like you're the bear standing over the matador with the bull, just taking the sphere and. Ending, ending this bull market with. He is, he is. That's what he is. So yeah, bear markets here. We finally entered bear market territory, and since then the slides actually been pretty dramatic. I know as of yesterday filming, um, Mark was down twenty six percent roughly intraday on the year. The stock, the the S and P five hundred, uh, and a lot of that was driven by that higher, hotter than expected inflation number that came out. We got a 75 basis point rate hike from the Fed this week. And all of those things is just leading to a lot of investor uncertainty, negative sentiment. What have you been hearing from your people, Elias? And you know, what have you been talking to them about a little bit? Well, I think the higher than expected inflation was probably the start of kind of the selling the selling pressure that's been going on and I think we've been talking about um, at least recently probably the last month or two about how uh, when the inflation reports come out that's probably going to be pretty important data as far as investor sentiment is concerned um, you know and we potentially are in a recession so I guess I think some of the expectations to set is maybe the pain's not over. I think it might be fair to say that. Um, I know probably a month ago I was just I was kind of more in the um, I didn't I wasn't really too bearish or too bullish, and I remember saying that on the show, and I just felt like okay, we're probably just kind of in a trading range, just up or down. It's going to be pretty slow, but then um, now I'm kind of back to being being more bearish than I typically am, at least in the short term. In the, lo in the long term, I'm very bullish on the stock market. I think there's, you know, there's plenty of investors that this shouldn't even be, this shouldn't be anything other than a, a buying opportunity. We talk about that a lot. 
But the, the reality of the situation is we have high inflation, so we need demand to start coming down. And this is just the way we run our monetary policy. And it's the kind of, you know, economies and markets are cyclical. So I just, I just hope investors are sticking to their financial planning and doing the prudent things right now. Those are the main things for me. Well, and I think what people are really concerned about is they hear that word recession and they think that, um, that it's just the cataclysmic event. And probably because the last recession was 2008, 2009, the great financial crisis. So we just equate that word with that again. And I've, I've had conversations with individuals, clients over the past week or two, because the anxiety level for people is going up. If you think about the pain of investing, once panic sets in, that's like the lowest investor sentiment. That's when people start making poor investment and investor decisions. And I haven't seen the panic yet, but people are definitely feeling anxious. And we just start talking about previous markets. You know, 2008, nine, we thought banks were gonna fail. Does anybody today predict or think that the banks are even close to failing? So what's this massive cataclysmic event that would cause the market to go down 57% from top to bottom. And I don't know what it is. And a lot of times we don't, it's black swan type events, but the fear is going into a recession. And it's funny because the Atlantic, uh, the Atlanta fed has a number out that says we're already in recession. They already, Do they really? yeah, it just came out. It hit Reuters um, a couple of hours ago, but here's some other things that maybe isn't necessarily good for the economy, but maybe good for taming inflation and you know causing some of this runaway cost to go down housing starts were down 14.4% 14.4% where home building fell to a 13 month low so about 13 months that's over a year we're at lowest in 13 months um interest rates 6.22% 30 year mortgage i mean that's got that has to slow down home there purchases. has to be has to be some level of I'm not going to sell my house because rates are too high for me to buy a new one. And at the same time, I can't afford to buy that house because rates are up from three and a half to six. Think about it. Six months ago, you're getting three and a half percent mortgage rate. Now it's six, six point two, two is what was on the ticker on CNBC this morning. I can see at the bottom of the screen, um, single family housing starts which amount for the biggest share of home building, we're down 9.2% month over month. So 9.2% month over month. Uh, building permits for single family homes declined 5.5%. So all of these things are starting to just say, hey, look, this housing market is cooling. You know, there's starting to be a little bit more inventory. So I think some of those things might really help relieve some strain of the of the overall inflationary environment that we're in. Yeah, hopefully. And, and that's the, that's one of the key things is getting demand. They call it demand destruction. Um, and then I want to comment on recession, which I think, I don't know if, I mean, I know the recession numbers, that's like a national number, but I was thinking about this yesterday. I was listening to two people talk and they were talking they they're saying that in their local economy, the businesses around there, it's very noticeable that they're in a recession. And I think about 
just our local economy and the businesses we know and work with and just businesses in town. And I feel like there's still plenty of demand for labor. So there's jobs and opportunities out there, which I just, I guess kind of a point I wanted to make recession is a scary word. It does scare people certainly because of the great financial crisis, but realistically we could go through a recession on a national level. Maybe locally it doesn't impact us as much. Our local economy might do fine. Um, and then if you're worried, you know, if you're worried about the stock market and, and that, you know, typically the market's going to start turning before, like things are back to good or things are just back to running like they should. Interesting. So I know we're getting our message out on the show. I'm going to tell you why. And I haven't talked to you about this yet. But before we came in here, about an hour before we filmed the show, I got a call from one of my clients. It said, hey, I listened to your last show with uh, Elias. I just want to call and see what my financial plan looks like and make sure I'm still okay. Really? And he called me up. I said, well, let me log in. I'm not going to guess. Probability? 99%. He's still good, but he felt good about that. He goes, well, then I guess we don't need to make any changes, but think about how the, the parody has shifted from 2008, nine and 2008, nine. That was not the case. We didn't have a way to just hit the snap of a finger quantify for somebody, whether they were still in good shape or not. Right. Financial planning wasn't as robust then. Yeah. And I wasn't in the industry then, but you would know, you yeah, would certainly it wasn't, know. It wasn't as robust. And I had to go through all this work that I couldn't have just ha kept the guy on the phone and click the button update and spits out the data. And in fact, I did one for, I updated a plan for someone earlier this week and their probability of success went down like 3%. Which so, is not statistically relevant. Well, when you frame doing. it that way versus the stock market's down 25 they feel a lot better. I mean, it goes back to what we've always talked about that people only really care about two things. Am I on track? And if I'm not on track, what do I need to do to get on track? And the only way to answer it is to have some type of a financial plan, which if somebody wants one, you can go to btwellshow.com. We'd be happy to get one for you. But I've also got this question from people, Elias, is how higher rates gonna go? How high are borrowing costs going to go? And the answer I have is, I don't know. You know, I don't know how fast the economy is going to slow down if rates go to six and a half or seven percent. And I'll, I'll use myself as an example. My wife wants to build a new house. Guess what we're not doing? Building a new house. My interest rate's 2.75 percent. I'm just not re really willing to give it up. That's going to be hard to give up. I mean, ultimately, even if you decide to, it's still going to be hard to give that. Well, up. and, you know, people would say, well, you could rent it. And that probably is a good move. I always look back and tell my wife, I wish I would all the homes I've owned. I wish I'd still had them all. I've had low interest rates. I could afford them, but we sold them to go to the next place. Well, if I would have kept them, they're all new and nice and would have been great rentals. This one I can't. There's a pool in the swimming. There's a swimming pool in the backyard that has that'd be a disaster if I yeah. rented that out to somebody. But. I'm not going to do it at rates of six and a half percent. I'm just not going to give that rate up. And I think there's going to be a large amount of people who do that. That actually could still prop up the prices of homes. This could be a little bit of a double-edged sword now that I think about it. Just people being unwilling to sell right. because of the interest rate environment? Well, okay, that same house, if you look at the average house is going to cost you three or $400 a month more for the same mortgage that you had 
a year ago. I heard a statistic for the first time. On average, the, the spread between owning and renting has always been around $600. It was always about $600 more to own versus rent. It's on now, a monthly basis? On a monthly basis. Now it's $800 a month more. And that was, I heard that last month, that, that gap is widening. So as that widens, what's going to happen? Fewer people are going to buy and they're going to start renting. So I don't know. I think we're in a really interesting time. I don't know how high rates are going to actually go. I don't want to guess. I was listening to Jim Cramer. This is two weeks ago. And he was talking about the um, the housing market, what it's going to take to cool it off. What interest rate he do you think he was saying like said, 8 or 9%. He said 8 he? to 9% to cool yeah. it off, which I can't, you know, as long as I've been, I guess, conscious of interest rates and markets, I've never seen 8% in my lifetime. So it's hard for me to imagine it going there, but I guess it could. I mean, he's lived through that before, and I don't, you know, he's a TV personality, but I'll be honest, he's smarter than I am about all this stuff, so who am I to say he's wrong? And he's, he, right, and he's not just guessing. He's put some sort of. He's got a higher level of data. Yeah, he has more data than to I back do. Up, to back up his opinion. He has more data points because he knows a lot more people. He makes his call to his buddy at Hedge Fund XYZ who's getting mountains of data and research every single day, but. What's that going to do? I mean, I'm definitely not moving if I had to go take an 8 or 9% interest rate. Personally, I, could I afford it? Yeah. Am I going to have the opportunity cost of giving up mine for that? I don't think so. Um, but there is a little silver lining. And it's the first time in, I don't know, a long time that I actually used a CD in a client's account the other day. That is a C po That's a positive. For savers. CD rates are getting a little better. I mean... You know, if you're an accumulator, it's maybe not, well, if you're looking at taking debt, it's maybe not a great time for you. But those people who have all their debts paid off and they're looking to generate income, it maybe isn't keeping up with inflation, but it's still becoming easier to actually generate income. Right. But a shorter term place to park some cash that you know you're going to need in, a, in 12 months or 24 months, something like that. Hey, so Elias, one thing I was thinking about, and I know the hot topic is bear markets and people should know the facts. Cause I had this conversation today with somebody, you know, what do I think is going to happen? And I think you summed it up just a second ago. You're like, I have no idea what's going to happen. And th that's the truth. We don't have any idea what's going to happen in the short term. In the long term, it's probably going to be okay. It always has been. The market recovery rate's been 100% of every bear market we've ever had. Will it remain that? I don't know. But in the short term, we don't know what's going to happen. The average bear market goes down 30%. We're sitting at 26 as of today, intraday. Does that mean it hits 30 and goes away? Eh, not necessarily. Could it go down 40? Yeah. But think about this. If, it, if the average is 30 and we're at 26 most of the pain's over, but I think I know what's going to happen if someone's account goes down another 10. You could see more panic. The panic I mean, that would really in. maybe cause some people to panic. Okay. So first thing I want everybody listening to think about is minus 30 is the average. We're close to there. Doesn't mean it can't go through No, but that's the average. Second thing, what's the average recovery of a bear market? What's the average months? Average recovery, it's 19 months, I believe. There you go. What's the longest? I 
think maybe almost four years. 30.5. 30. 30. 30.5 months. 30.5 so months. Three years. Two and a half years. Yeah. Okay. That was 2000 to 2001. So I just try to frame this for people. So two and a half years, where's it, where's it put that? 2025, we're all the way back. I mean, is that the worst case scenario? I don't know, but it sure seems like it. You think about 2000, 2001, what happened? Dot com bust. That's different than this technology sell-off. Technology sell-off we have today is a growth story because of inflation. High multiple companies are coming down. But these companies still have real businesses. Peloton's down 95%, but guess what? It's still a real business with real revenues. I heard today the top three Googled items are exercise equipment, bear market, and something else. Like those are, but exercise equipment was still in the top like three Google search items. Okay, so we have real businesses. In 2000, if you have a .com behind your name and a domain, people bought you. They were not real businesses. They were just websites. So do we think that pain is as bad as 2000? I don't know. Then what happens? 9-11 piled on that. So you had the yeah, .com and 9-11 yeah. all together. So that probably helped spread out that that uh, that bear market time frame. Okay. So just I want people to think about it because everybody thinks, hey, this is just like 2008 and 9. Well, we talked about this earlier. I don't think banks are going under. I could be wrong, but I think the banks are well capitalized. We put protections in place in 2010 to do that. Yeah, I don't I don't yeah, I don't think you're wrong by saying that. I there's no one I mean no one's talking about a financial crisis situation. No. Um Here's I, what could go to zero. Crypto. Oh, crypto. Yeah, absolutely. And we had this talk earlier. I don't know what it's I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen with crypto. There's no past history. Nobody really knows what this is and what the value is. Okay. I had someone tell me, well, if crypto, you know, Bitcoin goes down to 10,000, the market's just going to keep going down with it. I don't think it's that systemic in our society. No, the, the average, average American doesn't have a 401k with $400,000 of crypto in it. It's like one or 2% of somebody's portfolio. So you think about this. I want people to frame and think about this. I'm not anti-crypto. I'm not, not anti. I'm not for, I'm not anti. I'm in the middle. But if you lost 100% of your crypto investment, your portfolio is 1% or 2%, did it matter? No. It shouldn't. It shouldn't matter. But it matters in the media. But it's such a small, small percentage of people who are heavily invested in crypto. And if you're heavily invested in crypto, you didn't have the right asset allocation. Correct. And so, okay, I view crypto as a risk asset. So, you know, it moves with the market. But yeah, I'm with you there. I don't see I don't see the crypto markets as being like any indicator of what's just because crypto goes down another 10%. I don't think that indicates anything for the equity markets. And I think my other thought recently on crypto, you brought this up on the radio and I thought it was really good. I was thinking about it a little bit more. How many investors came into, not investors, speculators, traders, whatever you want to say, came into crypto, whether it's Bitcoin or any of the other ones, and the losses have been so bad for them. Now I'm talking young people where like, you know, a person in their 20s, think about yourself when you're 22 years old, 
you put a thousand dollars into something and you lose 800 that's devastating for a 22 year old person so how many investors were speculating in the crypto markets and now they're just thinking i'm never going to do that again that was i lost 80 percent, whatever it was 50 percent, and now they're just done they're just not even going to buy it anymore we all remember diamond hands yeah good luck with that diamond hands we're never going to sell right well, how's that working out? And my fear is those people are going away. And we talked about this on the show. The younger investor, they weren't out buying diversified mutual funds and ETFs and you know diversified portfolios because that was boring. It wasn't get rich quick. They were buying meme stop, stocks, GameStop, casinos. I mean, the highest risk assets out there. And if they have diamond hands, they're still holding them. And this is what you should think about today if you're buying individual stock. And this is kind of how we got talk, talking about this. I've had clients call up and say, I want to buy this stock. And I had a client call up the other day and I said, okay, you want to buy the stock? Let me ask you a question. Why? That's so, a great question. Well, it's went down and it's down like 40%. Okay, but why? Well, it's down. It's got to go back up. Thank because you. we do a poor job, I think, as an industry. We talk about how, hey, if you buy and hold, It'll go back up. When we're talking about that, we are specifically talking about diversified portfolios and indexed funds or actively managed mutual funds. We're not talking about an individual stock because there's no past history that says if you hold a stock long enough, it will come back. And I'll use a couple examples. One, Sears. If you bought Sears in 2007 because the price was down, it went, went to, to zero. zero. There's no history that says a stock will come back. So if you own stock in a portfolio, your question shouldn't be how much is it down? The question is, what do I believe the outlook for this individual stock is? And it's why we're so far against individual stocks for most people. So rewind to this client. I want to buy this. Well, I heard it's got this special drug coming out or whatever. Okay. Well, if you bought a business, and this is how I spun around, I said, if you bought a business, what would you do? Well, I'd an individual business, not like a stock, an individual business. Well, I'd get the financials, you know, I'd kind of like get under the hood and look at it a little bit. I'd check out the facility. I said, yep, when you buy a stock, you're buying a business. Did you look at the financials? Did you get under the hood? Did you research it? Are you just buying the stock because it's down in value? And for that individual, that was the aha moment. Like, oh, wait. He's right. I didn't do any research. I just heard from the roofer, and I'm not pounding on roofers, but I just heard from the roofer that this is a good good idea. The roofer thought Bitcoin's a good idea too. I heard I heard from someone I know who knows somebody who said this. That's where I got this advice. So, but the reason you know the young they're getting the young people are getting creamed. They're getting creamed. Because well, they bought okay, individual well, positions. Okay, you're talking young people that were buying individual stocks. Young people didn't buy Verizon. Not knowing what they, they were doing. They didn't buy Verizon. Verizon's down like, you know, five to eight percent. It has a four percent dividend. It's not doing anything. That's it's not exciting it's enough. It's not exciting. They didn't buy that. Know what they bought? They bought Tesla. They bought ARC. They bought Peloton. They bought Beyond Meat. They bought GameStop, AMC, all the stuff that went to the moon, and that was their the high growth. That was their motto, and now they're paying the price for it. And you know, it's funny. We'll probably look back. 
people don't have growth or maturity growth when the markets are good. It just allows for like really bad behavior. And when markets are good. Yeah, when markets are good. It allows right. for bad it's behavior. Right. It's easy. Yeah, it's easy to have bad investing behavior and then feel like you're being a successful investor. But what happens are times like this is when people actually can learn from what they've done. These are learning moments for people. They're going to look back in I 10 sure years. So. Think about this in 10 years when there's the next bear market. What are people going to do? They're going to look back and say, man, 10 years ago, I wish I would have done this or I was happy I did this. And that's the question people should be asking themselves. Not should I get out of the market or should I buy this stock? The question is in 10 years, when you look back, what are you going to say you're happy you did or you wish you would have done? And timing the market's not one of them. Saying I wish I would have got out of the market's not one of them because that's not successful. Yeah, so I, I have two, two con one story and a comment on that. So my story, what you're saying, learning lessons. I had a younger person tell me the other day, I think I'm starting to learn my lesson with crypto. And I said, well, good, tell me more. Tell me more about that. What do you mean? Well, I put $1,200 into something. I don't remember what it was called. And, you know, basically lost almost all the value. There's barely any value left there. Um, so then they started just saying, well, now I'm just thinking about maybe just doing my 401k at work, maybe doing a Roth, con just contributing to tax advantage accounts, buying a good portfolio. You know, they don't even really know what that would be at this point because they're kind of, their introduction to investing has been crypto. But I thought, you know, that's maybe a silver lining from all of these risk assets coming down or people having individual aha moments like that and saying, well, maybe I am learning my lesson here. Um, and then the other GameStop, I, I guess I... I was wrong, but I thought I was never going to hear about GameStop again. And then last weekend at a social gathering, someone asked me, hey, so you're a, you're in finance, right? Yep. So what do you think about GameStop? I go, well, what do you mean? Like as far as as a business or as a trade or as an investment, what are you asking? Well, yeah, just to trade it. So, you know, I go, well, one, I don't do speculative trading. And then I just asked the question. I said, do you really believe that selling video games inside a brick and mortar retail store is the future of that market and the future of business in that market. Well, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about like the stock price. And I'm like, well, that's what I'm talking about. So your buddy's turned into a momentum swing trader. I guess, but he would not even know what a momentum swing trader is. So, so. I f there's a funny, not funny, but a real, real headline out there. And everybody knows Kevin O'Leary from the Shark Tank, also known as Mr. Wonderful. Mr. Wonderful. He came out and said the crypto market won't hit the bottom until there's panic. We need someone to go to zero. Somebody in the crypto market's going to zero. We Hasn't just don't there know been, there's been crypto coins that have gone to zero. Coinbase. I don't know if they've officially defaulted, but Coinbase is laying off people left and right because those revenues are way down. Crypto trading's down. And I'm not anti-crypto. Just you guys don't know what this is. Nobody knows what most of these coins are. Josh Brown on CNBC uh, halftime show today said, we've never seen anything like what we're seeing in crypto. I said, yeah, we have. Tulips, same thing. Not saying it's Bitcoin. I'm saying crypto. When people buy stuff, they don't know what it is. 
the mass majority of people could not explain what a Dogecoin is. No, they can't explain, explain any of them. Yeah, they just bought it. You know, you. we were talking, was it yesterday afternoon at lunch? And we looked back on 2020, we were like, you know, in 2020, whatever the dumbest thing was, if you bought it, you made money. Seriously. <laughs> well, yeah. We talked, I'm not saying that's dumb, but literally the silliest stuff you could think of was going up in value. People are paying $5 million for NFTs for a digital creation of something. I don't hear about that anymore. No. And that's then it's gone. And then 20, 2021 that has like, that's got it. That's in, in my opinion, that might go down in like the hist finance history of being one of the years of, you know, when they talk about euphoria in the markets and that's a sign of a sign of a top of a bull market and all that, because 2021 was everything going up in value. I don't know that there was any losers. I mean, like nothing to say, oh yeah, that was a real loser in 2021. It was crypto, um, stock market. There are people doing SPAC deals. There's just all, there's all of this like, oh, nothing can go wrong sentiment. Everything's just going up in value. And isn't that, that's like the stereotypical bubble or the top. And I'm not saying that we're experiencing a stock market bubble or anything like that. Certainly, I guess maybe in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, there was a bubble, but we'll find out. Time will tell. It may come back. I don't know. And I'm not saying crypto. I don't want to specifically say it's Bitcoin. I'm talking about crypto in general. Just There's, in general, crypto. In, I'm not talking yeah. about Bitcoin. Bitcoin's the biggest, the strongest of them. I'm talking about all the other coins out there that nobody knew. I can pull up my Coinbase and all these things where they give you X amount of free coins to learn about their coin. You probably never did that. I've done I've that. never done that. Oh, yeah. No. So I've got all these, like, free coins I earned by taking the four-minute quiz about their, you know, I get bored at night and I'm sitting on the porch. Well, check it out. Um, they're I'm all old, way down. But I'm old-fashioned. I just want to own stocks and own real estate. <laughs> so call me old-fashioned. So two questions I've been getting from people a lot. One, should I stop contributing to my 401k? And two... Should I change my asset allocation? And here's my take on these, and I'm gonna let you give your take. Okay. The asset allocation should only be changed if it's in concert with the results of your financial plan. And, and what I mean by that is if your financial plan comes back and says, hey, you need to change asset allocations to become, improve your probability of success, fine, we can change it. I'm going to tell you most of them right now are not recommending that you change for the more conservative portfolio. It's typically you have to become a little bit more aggressive, which would make sense for buying lower prices. Stop contributing my 401k. If anything, now's the time to ramp it up. Yeah, I One I of agree the best ways to take advantage of a bear market is to increase your systematic contributions. If you haven't done a if you haven't done, if you're young and you're doing a backdoor Roth IRA and you haven't done it yet, you should do it. What are you waiting for? You're waiting for prices to come back. If you believe that in 10 years, prices are higher than they are today, you've answered your own investment question. You actually gave me a comment and I'll let you quote it. Cause it was your idea. You'd made some comments about, um, if you don't believe in the stock market, 
Remember what we were talking uh, about? Yeah, so that's not a financial comment, but it was just more of just like a sentiment comment. And I think I said something along the lines, if you don't participate in the stock market, you're basically betting against American businesses and you're betting against American consumers spending their money. Me personally, I'm not going to take the other side of that bet. I'm not going to bet against American businesses and American consumers uh, bet that they would stop spending money. And at some point there'll be a bottom. We just don't know what that point is. Yeah, there will be. And so I, th I, think, I, I think it's important that people don't try to catch the bottom. Lots of people think, well, I'm going to get it at the bottom. You're not going to catch the bottom unless you're extremely lucky. Yeah. So I have one, one other comment about um, contributions. So should you stop contributing? Absolutely not. If you have accounts that you contribute to systematically and maybe you have some extra cash, do an off schedule contribution. Like let's say you do 500 a month into your Roth or even just an investment account, a non-retirement investment account, and you have a couple extra, two or 3,000 extra dollars, whatever it is for you, make an off schedule contribution now that the market's down 25, 26%, um, but certainly stick with your systematics. But if you're gonna do something, put more in and then so and then regarding allocation that's like you said that's part of financial planning um and then with young people and i'm talking to people 45 and younger you know maybe some older people that are really close to retirement you might really want to consider like the quality of the investments in your portfolio but if you have a long enough time horizon even though growth even though growth companies and growth funds are down a lot right now that doesn't mean you should just abandon buying those because those contributions you make now, if you have a long enough time horizon, those could be some of the most meaningful contributions you make over your investing career. So like I'm personally still buying growth assets. Well, I'm 33 years old, so of course I am. Yeah, I, I like that take. Elias, great show. Glad to have my co-host back. I'm glad I could join the show again. Uh, with that said- Glad to be here. If anybody's looking for help, you can go to btwellshow.com, click get an advisor, and we will help you with any questions that you might have. I look forward to catching everybody next time. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPIC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. All performance referenced is historical and is not a guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Premier Investments of Iowa Incorporated and LPL Financial do not provide tax advice. Please consult your tax professional.